Welcome to the 3ND Podcast. Uh, my name is Sean Coleman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at StatsSAC. That's at S-T-A-T-S-A-C. Or S-S-A-C. That's S-T-A-T-S-S-A-C. You can also find the 3ND Podcast at 3ND Pod on Twitter. Please follow us if you have not already. We are we are wanting to give you some of the best content we can um, in a very, very uh, busy time uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies and as a Grizzlies fan. And, and today we was certainly uh, uh, no different. A, a very significant day for the Memphis Grizzlies. A day where we celebrate the past and, and also get some questions answered uh, about our near and, long, and potentially long-term future. Um, two big events happened today, of course. Um, you know, the, we, we finally got the decision from Jonas Valanciunas, um, and who decided to opt out of his $17 million player option with the Grizzlies earlier today. We'll get into that in a minute. But the big thing, and the wonderful thing, of course, was the Toronto Raptors. Um, a series-clinching victory tonight against the Golden State Warriors. The Raptors um, were NBA champions. Um, obviously, um, the unfortunate injuries that happened to the Warriors played a big part in that. But that was more of the reason why the Warriors were not as good as they were. That's not to take anything away from the Toronto Raptors. I, I mean, the Toronto Raptors, in my opinion, may have done the best on-the-fly job, potentially in NBA history. Um, from a coach, from firing a coach who had certainly earned the chance to see what he could do post LeBron and Dwayne Casey. I was very critical um, in, in conversations about the Raptors, but they went with their gut. They went with the assistant coach, Nick Nurse, to make it the trade for Kawhi Leonard, knowing that he that there's a very good chance he may walk in free agency, to making roster moves such as bringing in Mark Gasol um, and, and really – putting together a scheme and a roster um, that was, you know, very uh, successful in, in the modern NBA, but also had some, you know, traits, you know, found in defense and, you know, effective ball movement um, that, that you know, has always been around the NBA. But overall, just the, the big thing is a Grizzlies fan is just is Mark Gasol winning his first title. Obviously, Mark did not have the biggest impact in tonight's game, but, you know, just as his Memphis, his time in Memphis um, displayed, I never felt Mark got the true credit he deserved for how good of a player he was outside of the box score. I get it. You want to judge players based off their, you know, rebounding and their points. And, and a lot of times Mark uh, was not the stereotypical man we did not have the stereotypical type of game that a man his size you know should have many people's minds but that doesn't mean he wasn't effective uh there's a reason why the raptors targeted him even though uh, gasol likely uh, was past his prime and it's because of his intelligence it's because of his ability to facilitate his ability to defend and his ability to shoot three there were just several things that made mark a very versatile player and he contributed you know his efforts in the first two rounds of the playoffs against nikolai vucevic and joel Embiid were a big reason why toronto was able to you know get past those rounds um, 
Um, Toronto had a significantly um, high winning percentage when Gasol made uh, three multiple three pointers in playoff games. And just in all honesty, the 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 energy that Gasol, that Gasol played, but then the composure, um, you know, that we for so long saw in Memphis was certainly there with Toronto. But just can't say enough about Big Spain. So excited for him. Um, obviously, uh, we, we all of us wish that he could have done it in Memphis. But you know, every chance that he got along the way, which shows how wonderful of a person and a player Gasol is, he made sure to 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 credit Memphis and, and made sure that they, they were you know he made them known. He made it a point to make sure. Memphis was remembered in these times and you know as I stated on Twitter you know Mark is a player who you know has the who is he has the whole city of Memphis in his heart to help him play at the level that he does but he's also in all of our hearts so congratulations to Mark Gasol it's wonderful as Connor Dunning said on Twitter it seems like a fitting into the grit and grind era that in my opinion the greatest grizzly of them all won his championship. Even though it may have been outside of Memphis, you know, it still it feels like Memphis contributed to Gasol's efforts to win the championship. And I'm definitely glad he he, he achieved that goal that he has strived so long uh, to, to achieve. So getting back to the Grizzlies themselves, uh, you know, it, it's pretty um, amazing that the on the same day that Gasol wins the NBA title as a Raptor, the guy, the biggest piece that the Grizzlies got back in the trade for him was Jonas Valanciunas, and today was the day Valanciunas made his decision on whether or not he was going to opt in. Well, of course, Valanciunas decided that he was going to opt out, and I, like many, were surprised. You know, I just, I was very surprised that Valanciunas decided that he wanted to opt out. I understand completely the idea of wanting to take a longer-term deal, but I also feel like that a lot of times athletes are smart when they bet on themselves. And if Valanciunas took this deal and bet on himself to be able to make the most of it, he could have still gotten a multi-year deal after this. Um, however, you know, it seems as if you know his goal is to prioritize uh, security this offseason, getting multiple years um, instead of you know just going with the one-year option. Um, and as um, several different sources reported, it seems like that his his priority is to work something out with the Grizzlies, um, and, and it seems like Memphis is going to put some effort to that as well. The big thing, though, a couple of quick takeaways that I have from this outside of Valanciunas himself is uh, I, I I wonder this. You know, he was very adamant about, you know, wanting to continue playing with Mike Conley. And, and Valanciunas has to know that that's uh, it's more likely than not that Conley will be traded this offseason. So does Valanciunas now wait? He does he did he use the ability to opt out? to wait that out. So if the Grizzlies do trade Conley, then Valanciunas has more incentive to potentially go elsewhere to see what other options are out there with other teams. I think that's a possibility. I think that played a role. I think also that Valanciunas wants to kind of see how other things play out. He wants to make a commitment to where, you know, yeah, it's great that, you know, the Grizzlies are are, are making good decisions, but Valanciunas may want to compete. And he, if he sees that the Grizzlies are fully committed to a rebuild instead of competing, that may also make his decision for him. But at the end of the day, I do believe that the Grizzlies are, are, are probably, they probably do have designs on, you know, extending Valanciunas. And that's where I want to spend a few minutes, you know, talking about it. You know, I, I mentioned before, I feel that you have to be smart. You have to have in place 
an idea of what you're comfortable with when you're extending a player like Valanciunas. And the reason why is, again, because he is a limited talent. Don't get me wrong. He is a very effective talent who adds positive value. But when it comes to your team playing against better teams in today's NBA, in more crucial games late in the season than in the playoffs, we've seen all around the league players with Valanciunas' skill set, they just lose value. They naturally do. They're playing more games in shorter time frames, so it's harder for their bodies to allow for them to remain effective. And just in general, their strengths are, are, are not as, don't have as much room to add value when you're playing better teams who are shooting far more jump shots than they're taking the ball to the rim. And so I think that plays a part in the Grizzlies' decision. I, I don't mind the idea of extending Valanciunas, but it has to make sense for the Grizzlies. And I think what I mean by that is this, is that to me, the limitations on a contract extension for Valanciunas, in my opinion, is I don't want to go four years on an extension, so I want to go three or less, and I don't want to go more than $15 million for Valanciunas. As a matter of fact, I think I would be more disappointed, I'd be more willing to give him $15 million a year than I would to give him four years. And the whole reason why is just because with the new hire of Taylor Jenkins, you've got, and the potential pick of John Moran, you've now got John Moran, you've got Kyle Anderson, and you've got um, Jared Jackson Jr., that is three very good basketball players that are that could be three starters for you in a small ball lineup approach that is very conducive to the NBA. Are you going to pay Valanciunas to basically be a 25-minute reserve at times, kind of like what the Jazz are paying Derek Favors to be? I mean, yeah, you know that that has its place, but does it really have its place on a rebuilding team? I don't know. I, I, I find it hard to believe that 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 truly has you know value. And the other reason why I'm I'm hesitant about extending Valanciunas is the reason why I think the Grizzlies are attracted to the idea. I don't really think that the Grizzlies are looking at Valanciunas as a potential extension candidate for what he does on the court. I feel that they're looking at Valanciunas as something to where if they're going to trade Mike Conley... Valanciunas now becomes the potential veteran face of the franchise. That guy who, on any given night, can just put up a statistical amount that will ooh and awe the crowd. Well, that's great. It's wonderful that Valanciunas offers, you know, dominance, you know, for highlights and you know a, a rebounding ability that um, uh, you know the Grizzlies have not had in a while. But the thing about it is, is that when you look at Valanciunas's overall game, while it's great that he offers so much potential on offense it's hard not to notice that he gives a, gives a lot of it back on defense. And so I think that that is where the fact that today's events happened on the same day is so ironic and significant. You know, at the end of the day, as, as many fans as are out there, as passionate as fans are about wanting to extend Valanciunas and sign him long-term, does it really make sense for the franchise? You know, I, I would be more inclined to think not. And I think the reason why that is, is because it depends on how the Grizzlies as a franchise should view Valanciunas. I strongly feel that the Grizzlies are putting, are probably overrating Valanciunas' presence and his value, because with him, 
over the past two years, the Grizzlies played far better. It was clear that the Grizzlies were one of the worst offensive teams in the league, if not the worst at times. And now you've got Valanciunas coming over, and all of a sudden we're very competitive. We're beating playoff teams whose strength is offense because of our offense. Valanciunas helped change the identity of the Grizzlies, and it was more successful than the Grizzlies have been over the past two years. But that's how teams potentially um, hinder themselves when it comes to rebuild. They focus on the players that they have. They focus on a player that they gain um, the, the ability to control or the ability to play. They focus on what he's done for them compared to their recent past versus what he could potentially do to them or what he could potentially do for them in the NBA as a whole. And that's what it comes down to, I think, for the Grizzlies. You can't look at Valanciunas as an extension candidate based off how the Grizzlies looked with him versus how they looked without him over the past two years. You have to look at Valanciunas as an extension candidate based off what it's going to take for you to get to the level that the Raptors are. The Raptors traded you, Valanciunas, in a package for a player in Mark Gasol who arguably is a lesser talent now, is eight years older, and for next year would cost the Raptors $8 million more than Valanciunas would. The Raptors traded Valanciunas for Gasol because they knew that Gasol was a better talent for their team as they got more competitive in the playoffs. That's not a positive, um, that's not a positive happening for Valanciunas. And that's why I think the Grizzlies need to have their number in mind when it comes to extending him. If you want to extend him for three years and potentially 10 to 12 million a year, I've got no problem with that. I think that him and the Jaron combination would be fun. I think that him and Jaw could play very well. I think that the Grizzlies offense with Jaron as a pick and pop player with Jaw and Valanciunas down low as a rebounder and as an inside option, I think you have a very versatile offense. But I also feel like that if you go beyond that, you do hinder yourself, especially if you go four years. Valanciunas just simply does not seem like the best fit for the type of offense that Taylor Jenkins wants to run. And naturally in the NBA, as the Grizzlies want to become more competitive, I don't know how valuable of an asset Valanciunas is going to be. So that's where I stand on the Valanciunas extension. I'm fine if the Grizzlies want to extend him two or three years, give him 12 or 14 million, have him take over that veteran leader or, or that, that that veteran face of the franchise uh, that, you, that you hope to. Because, yeah, I, I do agree to some extent that keeping Valanciunas is a way for the Grizzlies to appease the fans and to remain competitive and, and, and to, you know, have more offense. That's the thing that the Grizzlies probably also like about Valanciunas more than anything. He's such a good offensive presence that we haven't had in a while. After years of seeing Marc Gasol play the game that he did, Grizzlies fans probably were, were absolutely ecstatic seeing a big who actually could dominate in the low post. And that's great. That's something that, you know, if you can have a, a an attractive offense during a rebuild, it's likely much easier to keep the fan base appeased than having your strength being on defense. And that's something that the Grizzlies cannot say they've had in a long time. So overall, very excited, uh, you know, about the fact that we've got this answer now. We now know 
what we're working with. But when it comes to Valanchunas, I just don't know if he's the best allocation of funds. So my hope is that if the Grizzlies are going to extend him, it's in that three-year, 10 to $12 million range. If Valanchunas has the desire to make more than that, I would let him test the market. That's my honest opinion. I think that the financial flexibility that comes with not having Valanchunas that you could use to potentially add a shooter or a more offensively versatile player or a player that can help out on both sides of the court, I think that the financial flexibility that comes with getting that type of player is a better allocation of funds than committing it to Valanchunas. So obviously the the exciting Mark news is wonderful, and and the fact that we now have some knowledge on um, Valanchunas is something that certainly matters as well. Um, So now that the Grizzlies, you know, of the four decisions that they've had, they they, they had their head coach that they were looking to hire, they've got Taylor Jenkins. They've had Valanchunas um, decide what he's going to do. So what direction do we go now? Well, obviously the draft is now less than a week away, and so that should be the focus. If I'm the Grizzlies, I am doing everything that I can to um, make sure that the decision that they make with the second pick is the best one. At the end of the day, I've you know been vocal about my thoughts about them trading the second pick to see what they could get, just to basic, just to at least see what type of market would be there for the second pick. I've also stated that I really hope that they would consider um, R.J. Barrett with um, uh, you know the, the, se- the second pick, just so they can have it. It's never a bad thing to have options. I feel that if you research options instead of just going with a, a, a choice you feel certain on from the get-go, it actually is a better way of making sure you're making the right decision. But at the end of the day, it's very likely we're going to take John Morant. But something that, you know, is kind of not necessarily depressing since we've got the number two pick, but something that, you know, is on the back burner is that currently this is the only pick that the Grizzlies have on draft night. The Justin Holiday trade in early January, probably the worst move, I would say, of this, you know, basketball season in terms of a trade um, occurred. And we, we lost, you know, two second round picks, including our one this year. So what? Does it mean for the Grizzlies, should they stand pat with that first pick? Should they make a big move like trading Mike Conley and getting draft picks in this draft? Or do they potentially try to, you know, buy a second round pick? And in my opinion, the way that I would rank those is that I would potentially see if there are any deals for any other members of the roster that could yield a second round pick, like if someone wanted, you know, to take, you know, advantage of salary with one of our veterans or or something to that extent, I'd be okay with that. I'd also be okay with buying a second round pick. But when it comes to Mike Conley and, and focusing on a trade with him, I do I really, really hope that the Grizzlies avoid the intrigue of getting a package that is heavily invested in this draft for Mike Conley. I just don't want it. I feel like that this draft is probably one of the least quality when it comes to depth depth in years. And I think that's only going to be the cases in future drafts as well. And so I don't want Conley to be traded at the dra- in the draft just for 
picks in this draft being the main haul for him. I get that when it comes to Conley and it comes to superstars, kind of like um, Jackson Frank said yesterday, you typically don't get the package that you're seeking. You don't get that type of package. It always seems like the packages are less in value than what people projected. But if you're going to settle on picks, if you're going to you know focus on getting picks instead of a player, like multiple first-rounders, do it for the future. One reason why, again, is the depth in this draft is, it does not seem to be as good as what will potentially be there in 2020, 20, 2021, and 2022. The other thing is, is that if you take this season and you allow for Taylor Jenkins to basically wield his powers, allow for Taylor Jenkins to establish his culture, that gives you a better idea of what you need. Potentially, Taylor Jenkins could develop a player like Bruno Caboclo into a significant talent. And if you allow for him to do that, then you kind of gain an understanding of what your roster truly needs. And because of that, you're able to have a better understanding of where you need to draft. And I think that that's important because when it comes to a young coach's philosophy, when it comes to him establishing his culture, a lot of times it's not just the best talent that you need to draft. It's the best fit as well. Kind of like in this situation with R.J. Barrett and, and John Moran. You can probably say all day that R.J. Barrett may be a better natural talent than John Moran. But you also have to consider the fact that R.J. Barrett has made it clear. He is stating that he does not want to go to Memphis. Now, I know that we saw that last year with Jaron Jackson Jr., but I truly do feel in R.J.'s case, he prefers New York over Memphis without a doubt. Jaw has definitely taken the time to state through his actions and, and, and through his statements, he definitely likes the idea. Uh, of playing in Memphis. D don't think for one second that those tweets between Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Moran are not calculated. So that's what I'm getting at. I, I feel like that if we were to focus on the draft and trying to acquire other picks, either buy a second rounder or potentially use one of our veterans as a um, way to get a late first or early second. But don't trade Mike Conley. Don't feel... Don't be pressured. Don't naturally pressure your pressure yourself in based off intrigue and just you know the anxiousness to um, make, get a deal to happen to where you fall into a trap where you're really limited on your return because the whole, the prize of your return for Conley is in this draft. I have faith our front office is not going to do that because of how long it took them to make their head coaching hire. But still, I do feel that there is going to be pressure to make a move sooner rather than later. But I think that with the Conley trade, unless they are getting a significant player back, like a Demonis Sabonis, Jalen Brown, someone along those lines, and an additional pick in this draft is just kind of an add-on, I wouldn't move Mike Conley during the draft. I would wait until free agency especially with the fact that now there are less options in free agency um, or, or, or options that are not as attractive. Obviously, Clay Thompson having his torn ACL, um, uh, Kevin Durant uh, potentially, uh, you know, he's already out for next season. Those are two significant talents now that aren't going to immediately contribute to teams that have playoff aspirations. What seems attractive in place of that now a point guard coming off the best offensive uh, play of his career 
at a very manageable contract that not only helps you out on the court, but also helps you in the locker room. So I think that the injuries that have occurred in the finals, while not directly impacting Conley you know, a whole lot, they do make it more likely that there are going to be potentially more suitors. There was a report out today that potentially up to five suitors have already reached out to Memphis. So I feel like that the best move for Memphis may be having a quiet draft night after John Morant. I'd love to get a second pick. I, you know, There are a few players that I certainly would have interest in acquiring. But don't use your best asset. Don't use your best avenue to future assets just to get just to appease people and just to appease, you know, yourself that 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 you've got more assets now. You played the waiting game with the coaching hire. You made a good choice, it seems, based off immediate opinions. Apply that same philosophy with Mike Conley. Let his potential um, negotiations go to free agency, and then after everything is played out. That, I think, potentially gives you the best chance of getting the biggest value back, especially if you can get multiple picks in future drafts that are likely going to be deeper in talent. Definitely cannot thank you enough for joining us again tonight. Um, it's been fun uh, putting out some extra content over the over the last few days. Uh, we will have a few more shows next week. I already have an exciting guest lined up um, coming up next week, and we'll do uh, one more show. Hopefully, we'll get Justin Lewis back on the show uh, to potentially do a mock draft uh, that'll be available on the day of the draft for you to listen to. But again, my name is Sean Coleman. Again, find me on Twitter at stats sac. That's at s t a t s s a c. And also, you can find the 3ND Podcast on Twitter, at 3ND Pod um, on Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy Gasol's victory tonight. I hope it's a great Friday for everyone, especially enjoying Big Spain's triumphant win. And let's get excited as we head up to the 2019 draft. Again, for Sean Coleman here signing off, thanks so much for joining us on the 3ND Podcast. <laughs>